So, uh, good morning. It's great to uh, see you, to see faces. Uh, you look good, uh, half of you, not like half the half that I can see of you. Um, you're looking good. It's wonderful to, to have you back. And for those of you who are keen-eyed, you'll know that we just read from um, Deuteronomy 4, 15 to 31 was what we just heard from. And that's, I'm, I'm relieved to know that that is what we're going to be speaking from, because certainly that's what I prepared. Um, so, welcome, but it feels good, doesn't it, to be back um, Feels like we're on in the right. We're going in the right direction. Things are familiar, um, but also different. I mean, things have changed. Our Sunday morning routines. For those of us who came in this morning, we had a new routine for this morning. We had to we had to get up at a particular time to be able to get to church for a particular time. I had to I had to think about what I was going to wear this morning. Not for very long, obviously, but we had to think. You know, what do we, what do we? Uh, you know, I can't be in my uh, pajamas or shorts uh, necessarily. Um, and uh, you know, you, you'll notice there are changes. We have a nice, shiny, polished floor. We have new doors on the church. We have cameras now that we didn't have before. Just, you know, there are things that are different. These are superficial changes, but I think and I wonder what deeper things have changed in us. Um, during this time. And it feels that we're actually moving into a new season. And, I, and I'm, I'm excited by what I feel is a new opportunity or an invitation to walk boldly with God into a new world. And, and what it means to start living again. And for some of us, that might bring a sense of nervousness. Uh, I get what David said as he said, you know, standing up and speaking or singing and, and in front of people. Uh, it feels different, but, but there's also a sense of, of fear, I think. Like, what is it going to be like? How is this going to be as we move back? My fear, actually, is that we return to the same old, or that I would go back to the same old, the tried and the tested, or the tired and the wanting. For me, the unsustainable rhythms, just going and going and going, and, and that we'll actually miss the opportunity to the even more that God intends for us individually, but as his church. What does that even more mean to you, to any of us? Do you know? What is it that you are prepared to do about it as we go into this new season? This is it's like a global reboot, isn't it? That's what it feels like um, to me. And so we're in this series preparing for a different world, and it's an opportunity, an invitation to reimagine that we don't just drift into this new season, but that we walk into it with boldness and with renewed purpose. Yesterday morning at 7.30, I was at Memorial Park uh, gathering with my running clinic, and it was the first time we'd been together in over a year, and there were a lot of people there. And it, it was good to be back together again. People were smiling. They were happy. They were pleased to be there. It was obvious, like, this is a good thing here. It's not just about people's health. It, there, was a, there was a social interaction that people have missed. It's good for our mental health, for our emotional well-being. It was good to be there. I was able to send an email to the guy that leads it and said, this is a good thing that you're doing. It felt good to be back Lots of smiles. Clearly, it means a lot to people. But you know, there are lots of good things. That, that could be the worst thing in the world for you to think about. 7.30 in the morning to meet up and, and then go and run. But there, so there are lots of good things that we have to look forward to. There are, there are lots of fun things. But what is it 
as we enter into this new world that will enable us to prosper? What is it that is going to enable us to flourish? In this text that we've just heard, Moses tells the people, you know what? If you want to flourish, if, if it's going to go well for you, you need to keep things in their rightful place and order. Deuteronomy, this, this book of Deuteronomy is, you know, Moses' big sermon series. It's like his publisher saying, we need one more from you. And so it's like, okay, this is what I've got. And so that, that's what we heard from. Moses is addressing uh, Israel from the plains of Moab. They're looking out into, about to go into the promised land finally. And so we have through this book a series of long sermons in, in which Moses is giving instruction and exhorting the people to be faithful, to be obedient to God, to the one true God who has brought them out of bondage, the furnace of Egypt, who has led them, who has cared for them, who has protected them, who has provided for them and guided them through this 40-year journey through the wilderness. And now he, this one true God, goes with them into the promised land. Moses isn't going. He's, he's, he finishes his message right at the end, and he wanders off and, and dies. These are Moses' last words. But these are not the words of a man who is weary. These are not the, the words of a man who is kind of on his last legs and, and a weak breath. This is a man who speaks with passion and with urgency and with conviction. He lives his last days with a purpose and with a passion. There is work to do. You guys have learned a lot through this time, he says. Through this 40-year journey, I want you, he says, to take what you've learned into the promised land, the statutes and rules for living. And most importantly... Don't be enticed or seduced by the idolatry of the people, the neighbors in the land that you're going to uh, possess. God has you, he says. He will not forget his covenant promises to Abraham. But you must seek after him exclusively with all of your heart. They must keep things in the right order. Make God your number one. Give him the first place. If you want to prosper, if you want to flourish, make him your number one, your priority. So what is it about idolatry? Why is it such a big deal? What, idolatry is, is really the worship of anything other than the one true God. Anything that claims loyalty, which rightfully belongs to God that draws our attention, that is our focus. And we read in verses 16 to 19, an idol, an image of any shape, formed like a man or a woman, an animal, bird, any creature that moves along the ground, a fish in the waters below, the sun, moon, stars, heavenly rain, don't be enticed by any of these things. In the ancient Near East, the idolaters, literally, they served idols. They would dress them. They had statues. They would, they would put food before them. But the gods of Egypt and Canaan, they're not really, they weren't gods at all. They had no power apart from the power that the evil one exerts over the hearts of those who bow to them. They were man-made gods of wood and stone. They can't see, they can't hear, they can't eat, and they can't smell, Moses says. But the God of Israel, he does speak. In verse, verse 12, just before we had read today, we heard, Then the Lord spoke to you out of a fire. You heard the sound of his words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. Yahweh, the God of Israel, is unique. 
Unlike the pagan deities, he has no form that he can be contained within. And so what is it that they learned? What is it that Moses had to tell them, to remind them? God is working. God is at work. Even when we can't see, that means we have to wait and learn to wait patiently for him. And Moses knew um, how easily influenced the people were. I mean, he'd walked with them for 40 years. They were a fickle bunch. At Sinai, when God was doing an amazing work with Moses, a more a far-reaching work, giving him the Ten Commandments, what was happening? The people in their impatience, they couldn't wait. It was like, oh no, um, make, us, make us gods. So they melted down all their gold and made a little calf and started bowing down to it, a form borrowed from the Egyptians. Moses saying, when God is at work but you can't see him, trust him, wait patiently for him. As the people bowed down, Moses comes with the words, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything above or on earth beneath or the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And sadly, yet the story of God's people in the Old Testament is not one of a people who ascend from um, idolatry to, to pure worship. I mean, they know it. They understand what it is. They know the theology of worship. They, they've got it all in place to, to be able to do so. But their history, as we read it, is one of a constant struggle and weakness against the religious seduction of their idolatrous neighbors. Now, we can be critical, but the tendency of the Israelites toward idolatry is, is in part an expression of what we all long for, isn't it? A God that we can see, that we can know through our physical senses. And doesn't God meet that need when he sends his own son who took on flesh, who ate, who breathed, who spoke, who lived amongst us? But it is this need in us that inclines us to idolatrous practices, to be so easily influenced by the practices of others. That when we can't see God, when, when things are falling apart, we, we can't wait. We want to take control. We want to do something to try and relieve the fear or the angst within us. We, we want to find some way of finding peace. How can we self-soothe when everything hurts? How can we defend ourselves during what are times of refining of the deep work that God is doing in us. And what is it? Look at what Moses says to the people in this matter. Verse 15, keep watch. Keep watch. Verse 23, don't forget. Verse 25, and don't let up. Keep watch. Don't forget. Don't let up. Keep watch. This stuff creeps in. Don't forget. Remember what God has promised. And don't let up. This, this verse, after you've had children and grandchildren have lived in the land a long time, even then... You know what? You're going to be inclined to blow it. Don't let up. God is a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. He will not share his glory with another. He wants exclusive rights to be numero uno. And yet, even now, after all of these years, after all of these experiences, Moses knows as he's speaking to the people that they will turn from God that they will follow after foreign gods. He knows them. He's led them for all these years. 
But he's asking and he's urging them, what have you learned? What will you take with you? What will you leave behind? And those same questions are pertinent to us as we stand on the banks to cross into this new world, a different world. What have we learned having passed through the furnace of a global pandemic? What what have we learned in our waiting for God? What have we learned in our struggling to see or understand what God is doing when we have felt abandoned? When we look at the suffering and the pain and we ask God, where are you? What is going on? That we may question his faithfulness. Lord, have you not seen? Do you not see? Don't we have a tendency then to try and resolve things in our own strength? We're we're enticed to find comfort in the things around us. Maybe it's some form of distraction to help ease the pain. We can get super busy. We can self-soothe. We can avoid doing anything but enter into the deep work, the refining work that God wants to do in us to prepare us for 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 the new world that he has for us. It's not that we're, by, we're bowing down to wooden idols or carved images of stone. But when we think of idolatry in terms of anything which occupies the rightful place of God and primacy in our lives, what then are the things that come to mind? God gives us family. He gives us careers. He gives us um, Children and, and he encourages we, we can find uh, jobs that, that we seek after financial security. We, we have access to, to food. Our, we, have, we live in a beautiful part of the world that we have opportunities for leisure. And so many pursuits. We're, we're at colleges, we're studying, we're, we're working hard at school, and we're, we're earning our grades. We have our ambitions. All of these things are good. All of these things God gives to us to enjoy. None of these pursuits in and of themselves are bad. <clears throat> if we were recording this, there would be a seamless cut. I would take a big gulp of water and we would move straight on there. <clears throat> God gave us this to enjoy. Verses 16 and 17 in, in the text that we had read, it, you know, it should remind us actually of the Genesis account. Right, of how God created the earth and our relationship to creation. But you see, when those things that God gives us for our good begin to take the rightful place of God in our lives, we reverse the natural order of creation. We get things out of whack. If we make those things our priority, we in turn become enslaved by the very things to which we're mandated to have dominion over. Do you see that? Like God gives us things. He says, this is good. Have dominion over them. Don't let them rule over you. Moses says, this is not the way to prosper and flourish in this new world you are being given. When you become corrupt, you're going to quickly perish and be given over to the worship of the things that you crave. In fact, these man-made gods of wood and stone which cannot see or hear or eat or smell. You will, in turn, bow down to them. So what have they learned? What will they take? What will they leave behind? They've learned that God is faithful. 
They've learned that God can be trusted even when they and we cannot. And here is the good news, that despite their failure, despite their infidelity, God remains faithful. And he never forgets his covenant. Exile doesn't signal the end of Israel's covenant hopes. How many of us need to hear that today? That when we blow it, it's not the end of God's faithfulness or our hope in him. As we read on in verses 29 to 30, if from there you seek the Lord, your God, after you've blown it again, because you're going to, if from there you seek the Lord, your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have happened to you, then in later days you will return to the Lord, your God, and obey him. This is not a a conditional clause in the promise. It's not if, but when. So yes, it requires repentance and a turning. And that is a matter of our free will and response to what God is doing. But that's the point. The The impetus to repent is something that God himself plants within us. That's his work through the power of the Holy Spirit to encourage us and to enable us to return to him. It's all his initiative. It's through the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the amazing grace of God. This is the gospel, isn't it? When Paul writes in Romans 9.15, he refers to Moses. He says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It doesn't therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. That, that is what we need to learn. That is what we need to take with us and never forget. That's what we need to carry in our hearts as we go into this new land. So again, here we are. We're standing at the edge of a new world. And we are longing, I think, longing for a better life. We're longing for fulfillment, for flourishing, and for peace with God, with, with others. We're, we're longing for the renewal of all things, for an end of this disease. And there are lots of things, and there are many voices that promise us fulfillment and peace and joy. But many of them, all of them, are of wood and stone because our true hope and our true confidence is found in the one who took on flesh, the one who meets us at the cross, who gave his life for ours so that we can live the more and the better life. It's in Jesus. So what is it that we see as we look out over the plains into this new land? What is it that we have learned in the furnace of this global pandemic? And what is it that we're going to take with us into this new world? What is it that we need to make sure that we leave behind? Maybe there are things that we have put above or before God. What or who will we make our priority and our pursuit? So I'm looking at Leslie Ann, who I've spoken to and prompted. I'm going to invite her up to share with us uh, a little bit of her own experience over the past, this one? Welcome. Over the past few weeks. Um, Hello, everyone. Should we have a stool? 
Yeah, stool would be yeah, great. Yeah, why not? Thanks. Then it just looks all casual and informal. <laughs> thank you, David. Thanks, David. Look at that. So, Les, uh, thank you for coming in and uh, joining us this morning. It's great and to be uh, here. yeah, tell not everybody knows you. Um, do you want to introduce yourself a little briefly? All right, I do see a lot of familiar faces. So, for those of you I haven't met before, I've been coming here for about 19 years. Like it's been a long time, mm. and I came to faith as an adult. Even though 19 years, you think I was a kid then, right? Uh, so, <laughs> I was 34 years old at the time, and uh, all of my great, great memories of coming to faith are always connected with Granville Chapel. Mm. And many of the people I see here today, and obviously many of the people that are online right now. Mm -hmm. So I live here, but I also live in other places. Uh, my family's in Yukulit, and we have a family business, so I'm always, I've got one foot in two camps. Yeah. For sure. Well, yeah. glad that your both feet are yes. here today with us. They're here today. Yeah. Um, Les, how we we spoke a bit uh, beginning of last week mm. and um, a few times before, but how has this been for you over the last eighteen months or so? I mean, what what how have you experienced this pandemic? Yeah. What's been challenging? Well, that's such an ongoing conversation, isn't it, for all of us? And I have to say. Uh, during that time, I felt like I was flourishing, I was mm. getting by. Uh, as the world started to tip and right itself, I started to recognize um, that it wasn't flourishing. It was mm. actually quite oppressive. Mm. And uh, so looking back, I have much more clarity than what it felt like when I was in it. Mm. Yeah. So feel, it, it feels like this time, I mean, it's... Um kind of a ref, you know, refining season. I talk about this Very kind much. of the, the heat of this uh, furnace of a global pandemic. What, in this, I mean, what, what do you feel that God has been bringing to the surface in your life? And yeah. It's interesting how you describe idols. Mm -hmm. And uh, if any of those idols were at play, which of course many of them were, uh, before the pandemic, uh, they went into full play during the last 18 months. Hmm. It was probably those things I clinged to, the relationships. I've just become um, recently uh, in charge of a full-time care of a dog. Like even today, you said the dog can be an idol. Yes, uh, care of the dog or, or putting that um, relationship or responsibilities a priority and, and, and work. And, uh, and, and fighting for my leisure life, and it sounds like a weird thing to say, mm -hmm. but trying to be normal and live normal and make normal out of a situation that isn't, mm -hmm. those became the priority. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And as you, you know, from, in terms of your learning through this and reflecting on that, what, what do you want to take as we, as we go into, as the world reboots, yeah. uh, we hope, you know, yeah. as we move forward, what, what do you want to, what do you want to do differently? Or what do you want to take with you that you've learned from this experience? Oh, that's such a great question. Uh, I think even the realization, and I, I really appreciate the the part of today's sermon where they talk about even when you're old and you have grandchildren and mm -hmm. you can still lose it then. I think that's what I'm taking away mm. is, you know, I was uh, always so committed, so invested in the community and my faith. And it's always, it's always a renewal and, and trying to get into the discipline and the ritual mm. of it. Um, but to recognize that how easily it can be blown mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I'm taking away, mm-hmm. is what is that part that does blow it away, and that part that I have to keep close, that I have to prioritize, so I don't blow it. Mm-hmm. And it's not, we're both coaches, and uh, so you know, you know when you're coaching somebody, you never want them to walk away with, I'm just gonna do it, right? Like it's sheer will. Uh, but I think it is a combination of that sheer will, but uh, that's grounded in that foundation of the faith mm-hmm. that I know no matter what, this is the thing that's going to bring me life, mm-hmm. even though it feels like the oppression is being surrounded by death, mm-hmm. death of relationship, death of the distance from the things that you, you know bring you joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. So stuff you want to take in, are there things that you think, you know, I, this I need to leave behind me? Leave behind, I, I, I think it's, um, <laughs> this sounds like way too big of a chunk, but leaving behind, um, fighting against things that mm-hmm. I don't have control over. Mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, in a way when I look back, I think I, I did battle with the, with the circumstances uh, rather than fighting or battling it. Um, leaving that desire to battle, but to think, where can I be whole? Mm-hmm. Where can I be connected to my foundation, my core? Mm-hmm. Uh, so letting go of the battle and the fight mm-hmm. and, and, and returning to that groundedness. Yeah. yeah, there's a sense, and I think probably a lot of us would, yeah. can resonate with that, that you know, things are going on around us, but what, having the posture and to slow down enough to say, so Lord, what are you what are you doing in this time? What are you, what are you telling me? And what are you, what are you teaching me through this? And, uh, and as we hear from Moses, you know, we can remember who he is and God's faithfulness and his promise to us as he has been yes. and as he always will be. Yeah. Um, Les, thank you for, for sharing this morning. You're it's welcome. lovely to see you face yeah. to face. Um, should we see show our appreciation for, for yeah. Leslie on this morning? Thank you. Thank you. So, oh, Nothing happened there. Um, so, um, I'm going to go into a socket. Um, thank you, Les. I mean, this sort of sense of, of starting again, of we moving into what our hopes are, what our plans are, how we all have this opportunity. I mean, normally we have these kind of talks around New Year, don't we? It's like we're starting a new year, what it's going to be, what are our hopes for the year. But, you know, we have, a, I mean, around the world, this is, there's a sense of like, okay. What are we going to do now? How are we going to live now? What does it mean uh, to flourish? How will we make the most of this opportunity before us? Ah, that's all right. I'll just do that. Thank you. There we go. Um, I think we got away with it. Um, so, you know, this, this opportunity to reimagine life, it's a fresh start. And what it means is, it's, I think it means surrendering our lives once again. Um, to Jesus, and, and for some of us, for some of us, actually, maybe that's for the first time. Maybe we have been battling. Maybe we have been fighting against this stuff on our own, in our own strength. And maybe, maybe part of the gift is that God allows us to go a certain way, and we go so far, and we we experience these things, and we pursue these things, only to realize that, huh? You know what? That's not it at all. That's not it at all. And in that place that, and no matter how far we've gone, we find that God is standing there waiting for us to turn to him. 
And for some of us, maybe it's a chance to surrender again. It's an invitation to say, Lord, you know, I, even when we're getting older, even as we're, if we have children, we have grandchildren, you know, this stuff, I, I need to keep watch and, and not let up. I want to renew my commitment to you, Father, to walk in faithful obedience to you in the power of your spirit. For all of us, wherever we start, the place of meeting is at the cross of Jesus. It's at that place that we lay down our lives and we take up his life in us. And it's not easy. And these weeks and months and the year ahead, whatever it holds, we know that there are going to be more challenges and it won't be easy. There will always be the things to entice us and the voices that will encourage to lead us away from God. And, and we're going to make bad choices. We're going to make poor choices, poor decisions. But even then, when we come to our end and we're stirred to repentance and we call out to God with our whole heart and with our soul, we will see God waiting for us with his arms wide open to receive us back. Because, as the psalmist writes, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. Amen.